following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. It's so good to see you in church this morning. It really is a joy to be with you on Palm Sunday. How many of you knew that today was Palm Sunday, the beginning of our celebrations for the Passion Week? Friday is Good Friday, and then on Sundays. Resurrection Sunday, and you will not want to miss Resurrection Sunday, one of the greatest days of rejoicing in the church. What um, Alo and I are doing this morning is tag team preaching, not tag team wrestling, but tag team preaching, and so we're tag teaming. But let me read the scriptures that uh, Alo uh, introduced this morning from Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43, and I'm reading from the New King James, and it says this, Then one of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him. Now, when we're talking about hanging, we're not talking about hanging by the neck. We're talking about hanging on the cross, okay? Blasphemed Jesus, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. That's the thief that Ayla was talking about. But the other, and that's the one I'm going to be talking about this morning, answered, rebuking him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. You know, this passage agitates certain people. It agitates the religious people that, that preach that salvation is based on what you do. Because this thief, that received the promise of entrance into paradise was hanging on a cross and had no opportunity to do any good works. None at all. Matter of fact, he was being crucified for his bad works. But here he is being saved, not because of works, but simply because he repented of his sins and put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Deathbed conversion. How many of you heard that? Deathbed conversion. Finding faith on the finish line. I love the fact that this man found faith on the finish line. I love the fact that he might have missed enormous opportunities, but at the end, he discovered the God of the last chance. And what an incredible thing it is to have a God who does give us one more chance. Isn't it wonderful to have a God who is the God of the last chance? I'll never forget all of the occasions that I've been called to the deathbed of people and have been able to do deathbed conversions. I'll never forget the deathbed conversion of a man called James who was dying of, of stomach cancer at Royal North Shore Hospital. And uh, I was called to James' deathbed. And James heard the gospel. And he, res 
responded so beautifully and demanded to be baptized in the hospital. And so this was the only sprinkling that I've ever done. Nor, and, 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 and he gave me the promise that he would, if he came out of hospital, then he'd be baptized by full immersion. But I led him to Jesus, baptized him. We had beautiful times together. And then he went to be with Jesus. And the first time that James actually came into our church was in his casket where I did his funeral service in his casket. That was the first time in our church. But you know what? I was also called to someone else's deathbed when I was in Campbelltown. And, um, and I knew that he was dying and he knew that he was dying as well. And this is the exact opposite of James's deathbed experience. Because when I went to this man, I won't even mention him by name. But I went in and I said to him, I said, friend, and I called him by name, friend, you understand that you're on the precipice of eternity. He says, yeah, they told me that I've only got a few hours to live. And I said, you know that your family wanted me desperately to come and share with you. He says, yeah. I said, this is your opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And have you since forgiven so you can enter into eternity cleansed. And he looked at me and he said, I don't believe in that stuff. And I said, but you've got absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. He looked at me again. I don't believe in that stuff. And I said, I've come pleading with you. I've come begging with you. Give your life to Jesus. He can forgive you. He can usher you into eternity. You can be free from your sin and have forgiveness. He looked at me one last time and said, I don't believe in that stuff. And I remember walking out of that hospital room heartbroken, only to hear two hours later that he'd slipped into eternity, a lost man. I love the fact that God gives us a last chance. And what you have right here at Calvary are two people. One crucified on the right side of Jesus. The other crucified on the left side of Jesus. Both on their deathbed. Both on the finish line. One rejects faith. The other finds faith. Let's talk about the man that found faith. Let's talk about his life for a little while. Let's do a bit of background search on the thief. Matter of fact, you know what history tells us? He had a name. You say, wow, history told you that? His parents gave him a name. But we sort of lose it in the, in the Bible because it's just the thief. But I did a bit of research on the penitent thief and found out that his name was Dismas. And in actual fact, the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, all have traditions going all the way back to the first few centuries where Dismas, in actual fact, received sainthood. And in the Orthodox Church, it's Saint Dismas, the thief that found salvation on the cross. I really don't know if his name is Dismas, but you know what? Why don't we personalize it? And use his name. Because for centuries he's been given this tag. The thief. And he's been labeled as the thief. But in actual fact he was a man who'd made mistakes. But found salvation in Jesus. And so Dismas for whatever reason. 
decided to enter a life of crime. For whatever reason, Dismas decided that he'd gang up and he'd listen to the wrong voices in his life. And he became a criminal. Matter of fact, when we read the stories in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, he's referred to as the opposite of a benefactor. So there's someone who does good and then there's someone who does evil. And Dismas was one of those people who did evil. Wherever he went, he basically, he was a rip-off merchant. He was a con man. He stole. He, he did bad things. And then the day came when he got caught. The day came when Dismas was not only caught, but he was sentenced to death for his crimes. Thrown into prison. And then finally the day comes. For his execution. I want, I want you just for a moment. To be taken into that prison room. That was his last night in a jail cell. And he gets woken up this particular morning. And it was in our books Good Friday morning. But for him there was nothing good about that Friday. It was the day of his execution. The soldiers came sneering. And let me tell you there was not much compassion amongst Roman soldiers in those days that actually enjoyed suffering and watching people suffer. As long as it wasn't their suffering, as long as it was other people's suffering, there was some sadistic enjoyment in it all. wonder what Dismas was thinking that day when he was woken up by those cruel soldiers. I wonder what went through his head knowing that this was his day of dying. I wonder what he thought regarding the, the pending suffering that he was about to go through. Because he'd heard what Roman crucifixion was like. He heard about the agony. Matter of fact, he'd heard that such was the agony that the blasphemy and the swearing was so intense by so many people that were crucified that they'd actually have to cut their tongue out to stop the blasphemy and the swearing. So he was thrown out of the jail cell and then given this beam to carry. And so in those days, what would happen is that the, 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 the people that were being crucified had to carry their own crossbeam. That crossbeam, the, the actual uh, uh, vertical beam was there at the, the hill, but the horizontal beam they had to carry either on their shoulders or on their back. And it was about 50 kilos of weight. And so it was probably tied upon him and he had to carry it up La Via Dolorosa, as it's known today. This alleyway through the streets of Jerusalem, the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem that led finally to the hill Calvary, also nicknamed Golgotha, the place of the skull. And the streets and these alleyways would have been lined by thousands of people looking at the condemned men, knowing that this was their last walk. And here is Demas carrying his crossbeam along La Via Dolorosa, thinking, I wonder what I did to deserve this. And then beginning to realize, as his light flashed before him, all the crimes of his day. But can I tell you something? There was a surprise waiting for Dismas that he had no idea that it was waiting for him. When he was finally ushered 
on Golgotha, the place of the skull. And even to this day, you can actually see the outline of a skull on this hill. And there they placed him upon the cross. He looked and between him and the other thief was a man who I believe Dismas recognized. And it was Jesus right there between the two thieves with a sign over his head. This is the king of the Jews. Dismas. I believe, had had an encounter with Jesus beforehand. Whether it was on the Mount of Beatitudes, or whether it was in one of the synagogues, or whether it was in one of the other preaching tours that Jesus did, Dismas had some understanding about Jesus. And you say, what does it say that in the Bible? Well, the fact is that he knew five things about Jesus. How did he know those five things? First of all, he knew he was the Son of God. Don't you fear God? He says to his, to, his, to his friend, don't you fear God? And so he made this connection between God and Jesus. Second thing that Dismas knew about Jesus was that he was sinless. This man has done nothing wrong. The third thing he knew about Jesus is that he was a king with a kingdom. Jesus, remember you. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. How did he know that Jesus was a king with a kingdom? Fourth thing is this. He realized that Jesus had power to help him. He wasn't just a crucified criminal, but he was someone with power to help him. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And fifthly, he realized that Jesus was about to enter into his kingdom. When you enter into your kingdom. So Dismas had some opportunity beforehand with an encounter with Jesus, but it let it go past. But to his surprise, once again, he was in the presence of Jesus. Now, what Matthew and Mark tells us is this, that when Dismas was first put on the cross, he was just full of venom. He was just like everybody else. Because let me tell you something. When you are under pressure, that's when the real you comes out. How many of you know this? That the true mark of a man is not when everything is going well, but when you're under pressure. You really only know yourself when you're squeezed. And that's when you see what's on the inside of you. And when Dismas was squeezed, venom came out. He and his friend were both cursing. They were both blaspheming. They were both reviling. Around the cross at that time, people were, were just throwing abuse at Jesus. Oh, you're the king of the Jews. Why don't you come down from the cross? You said that you'd rebuild the temple in three days. Come on, come and do it. And then, and then, the thief that Alo was talking about is reviling. Well, if you can do it, if you really are the king, if you really are the Messiah, why don't you save yourself and ask while you're doing it? Yeah. But while all this was going on, Dismas was watching. He was watching the demeanor of Jesus. He was watching the response of Jesus. And he saw the contrast between this man 
and everyone else. Because when Jesus was getting squeezed, all that came out was love and kindness. I believe he actually heard Jesus looking at his crucifiers and his malefactors. And I believe he heard those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Such a contrast between the swearing and the cursing and the blasphemy. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He looked at this man who was not thinking about himself, but was thinking of others. And he sees his mother, and he sees John the Beloved, and he sees this, this, this care for his loved ones. Hey, John, take care of my mom. Mom, this is your son. He'll take care of you. He's always, well, what, how can this man forgive? How can this man consider? How can this man still be focused on others while he's being crucified? And Dismas's heart began to melt. He's on the cross and began to think to himself, maybe he is the son of God. Maybe there is something so different about this man. And as the hours went past, rather than being a blasphemer, rather than being a reviler, Dismas started to have his heart melt. And started to see that he was a sinner in need of salvation. And right next to him was the Savior of the world. And Dismas began to understand that he was being given a chance like nobody else was given. And then it began. Something switched on on the inside of him. The blindness became light. And he turns to his friend and then starts defending Jesus. Stop reviling him. Stop blaspheming him. Don't you fear God? What is the matter with you? He starts preaching. Something switched on the inside of him. And he begins to confess Jesus. We, we are being judged for what we've done. We have sinned. We have broken God's law. We've broken man's law. We are guilty and we are being crucified for our sins. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. And then he turns his gaze towards Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, the old hymnist says. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I don't know what happened that day, but something caused his gaze to look upon Jesus. And all of a sudden, for him, the suffering, the world, the darkness, the guilt, the pain, it all got focused in upon this man of sorrows, full of compassion, full of love. And he utters this word, Lord. What an incredible word to use, Lord. 
Let me just press pause for a little while. Do a, a word study of the word Lord that you can do. Lord is a Greek word, kurios. And uh, Zodiaris, one of my favorite Greek interpreters, he says, this word kurios means master. It means owner. But more than that, Zodiaris says, it is the New Testament equivalent to the Old Testament word Jehovah. So right there on the cross, Demas, Dismas understands that this is not just a criminal, but this was the Son of God. This was the King of Kings. This was the Lord of Lords. And this was his opportunity to grab hold of salvation. And he cries out, hopefully, is it possible that on this cross I can receive redemption? Is it possible that on this cross, on the finish line, I can receive salvation? He cries out, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then he hears the most amazing word that any person could ever hear. Maybe in his whole life, he never heard one word of encouragement, one word of affirmation that did not have a string attached to it. But there on the cross, he hears Jesus say, assuredly, 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 in other words, dismiss. You know that I'm the Son of God. You know that I am Lord. You know that I've done no wrong. You know that I'm sinless. And based upon that, I want to give you assurance today. I want you not to die in vain or to die with a big question mark. I want your last breath to be in assurance that this day you will be with me in paradise. I don't know about you, but when I'm suffering, I just don't want people around me. Is anyone like that? Have you ever had a migraine? Have you ever been just in For me, one of the worst things that can happen is having a migraine and being seasick at the same time. Just, just, it's just, you want to dive overboard. You just want to say, I'm swimming to shore. I I just can't stand it anymore. I just, it's just one of the most horrible feelings where you are stuck somewhere and there is, and you just can't get any respite. You just, there is, you can't turn, you can't go anywhere. You are just in agony. The last thing you want is someone touching you. You don't want anybody around you. Just leave me alone. I just need to be alone. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Okay, five of you. The rest of you just liars and you need to receive, receive redemption. Okay. Yeah, and so, but not Jesus. In the midst of the most intense suffering. Do you know that, that, that they outlawed crucifixion because it was just considered so barbaric? There was no human punishment that was quite as barbaric as crucifixion. And in the midst of that barbarism, in the midst of that suffering, Jesus was able to focus on a penitent 
and love him with the words of assurance. It wasn't, yeah, let's get it over and done with, you're saved, done. Ah! You know, it was assuredly this day you'll be with me in paradise. You can come now, Luke. And then the scene changes. What happens for the scene to change? The Son of God breathes his last. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he slipped into eternity. The Son of God, crucified, died for the sins of humanity. The thief on the cross, they had to break his legs for him to die. John tells us. That they came, the soldiers came, because the next day was the Passover. They didn't want death on the cross on the Passover. So they just came and they broke the legs of the criminals on the cross. And so they broke Dismas's legs. And without him being able to support himself, his death was quick. Within a few moments of that, Dismas also breathed his last. But his breathing of his last was very different to the way his friend, his companion, breathed his last. Because when Dismas breathed his last, he had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and repentance of his sins, which gave him assurance of salvation. And so you say, well, what happens next? Well, let me tell you what happens next. Because this is not clear, but through my reading of Scripture, through my putting together my understanding of the afterlife, especially the afterlife at that stage. You've got to understand that there's, there's insights that's given us. When Jesus gave the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in, in Luke chapter 16, he talked about this, this place where the blessed dead went. And a place where those that were not blessed went. And so it's the place of the dead. Once called paradise. And another term for it is Abraham's bosom. And the other place is Hades. The place of, of suffering. The place of death. And so what happens. And you can read it in Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible tells us that Jesus first descended. And he descended to this place of the dead, Abraham's bosom, were those whose expectation was to live with God forever and ever, were waiting. Waiting for what? Waiting for the day of their redemption. And so when Jesus slipped into eternity, when Jesus slipped out of life through death, he went to this place, Abraham's bosom. And he was there for three days. The Bible tells us that Jesus was dead for three days. But he was with Abraham. He was with the righteous. He was there. And they knew that he had come to redeem them. He came to deliver them. And so in my imagination, I can hear the shout of those people shouting, Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, he is our redeemer. He has come to redeem us. Jesus Christ, Lord forever, Redeemer and King, Jesus Christ, Lord and King forever and ever. While this shouting was going, I'm using my imagination here. Dismas, 
came through the same passageway and there came into this crowd of people shouting, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, he has come to redeem us. And Abraham turns to Jesus and, say, and says, who, who, who is this man? And Jesus says, he is my last convert while I was on the earth. Hey, Dismas, come here. Let me introduce you to Abraham. Let me introduce you. And there he came into paradise, into his kingdom. He's the first to come after Jesus went. Came, introduced him to everyone as they're shouting and singing and thanking Jesus that finally the day of redemption would come where he would lead captivity captive, ascend into heaven with the souls of the departed. And I'm telling you, there's another story right there just at that point. There, But the point that I'm making, and it's a point that is so important for every single one of you, is this. Is that Dismas, on the cross, prayed a very simple prayer. It wasn't a complicated prayer, but a simple prayer that guaranteed his salvation. And it was simply based on repentance. I've done wrong. I'm guilty. I've done wrong. What what I've got, I deserve. I've done wrong. I've sinned. See, that is a concept that a lot of Australians don't have right there. That concept is so hard for the average Australian to grab hold of. Why? Because we have reinterpreted what sin is. And we've interpreted sin as, well, yeah, murderers, rapists, pedophiles, they're the sinners. Rather than saying any wrong is sin. And any wrong is unrighteousness. And any wrong offends God. And the Bible tells us very clearly, for all of us have sinned and come short. Every single one of us. But you know what? It takes humility to acknowledge that. And when you can acknowledge it, when you can be humble enough to acknowledge it, that's step number one. And then you put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that He is able to forgive you. He is able to wash away your sins. He is able to redeem you. He was able to say forgiven. He is able to cleanse you. Do you have faith in that? Because that's all Dismas did. He just repented of his sin and put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus assured him of salvation. Let me finish today. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 